us what he's saying. He's saying, God, there are your enemies and they are killing us. Will you intervene and make it right? Now, what I love so much about David here is David's trust is in God and not in his own strength. And the biggest mistake we make as people is we want to take things into our own hands rather than trusting in the God who will bring things to right. And the big mistake we make is we want to do it ourselves. Little kids are constantly wanting to do things on their own. They don't want people to help them. Well, that doesn't change much as you get older. In this fiercely independent culture, we usually try to take care of things ourselves. But as you'll see in today's message, we need to ask God to be in charge. Pastor Daniel unpacks how David recognizes that something needs to be done, but he asks God to do it. He wants God to take the lead. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Psalms chapter 139. As he begins his message, God transforms you. We love the outcome, but God loves the process. And life has this extraordinary way of drawing us in to grow if we're willing. See, I don't know about you, but one of the things that I find so kind of uniquely perplexing about life is the fact that every time you go to put your best foot forward, something comes to try and knock you off that course. Am I the only one who sees this? It's like, oh, you wake up and you're like, you know, I really need to kind of deal with my eating. I need to eat better, right? And then sure enough, it's like it's day one and you get into the office and there's a box of Twinkies with your name on it. And you're just like, come on, like, like, like I'm going to do this. But, but sure enough, it's like, it's the best laid plans of mice and men. You're going to take a good step and then everything kind of happens, right? Or, or maybe you're like, man, I'm really, I'm going to start every single day. I'm going to read my Bible, right? This just, this just happened to me recently. I was like super excited. I'm getting, I'm going to read my Bible first thing in the morning. I got, I sit on down, I get my cup of coffee. I go to pick up my coffee and the coffee spills all over my Bible, yeah, am I the only one this happens to? Where it's like, you're like, man, I'm just going to get in the word of God. And then before you know it, you're cleaning coffee off. Air. And then you're happy you're, you know, wherever you're sitting smells great. But, but other than that, it's like, it's kind of a mess. And then it takes time to put everything back together again. So much of life is there's our best intentions. And then there's all the stuff that goes on. And I think even for us kind of culturally with all that's going on in our culture right now, it feels that way, right? We're like, man, okay. You know, it's like, it's summertime, everything's going to be different. We're going to have a blast. And all of a sudden, it's like, you're like, here we go again. And the question becomes for each one of us, what do you do when your best plans fall apart? Because it's one thing to talk about, I believe in Jesus, I want to walk in the Spirit. And it's another thing to walk in the Spirit in the midst of a broken world. You know, it's like, it's like if, if everybody did things the way you thought they should, things would go easy, but we live in the real world with all sorts of issues. You know, and and so we're doing this series that's called Radiant. We're talking about when we get our eyes on the Lord, we get to reflect the light of the Lord. It, It reflects in our own life, but also reflects out into the world. 
And as we've been studying Psalm 139, we keep seeing how David, inspired by the Spirit, is explaining to us what does life look like at street level in light of who God is. And, and the whole way through that we've been studying Psalm 139, we've been learning all the omnis of God, right? We've been learning, man, God is all-knowing. There's nothing that goes on that God doesn't know. And, and you realize that in light of God's omniscience, now all of a sudden you're like, okay, so I can rest because God knows exactly what's happening. And that's a great thing. We saw David saw that, you know, God's omnipresent, that no matter where he goes, God is there. And how awesome is that? Because no matter how rough it is, no matter how great it is, no matter how amazing or treacherous it is, God is there. And because of that, we can trust. We saw, of course, that God is omnipotent. David starts talking about the fact that God has created him for a purpose. He's fearfully and wonderfully made. That even when he was in his mother's womb, God was there, knew him, saw him, formed him. And because God is all-powerful, that God can create and sustain us, again, in light of that, we have such hope in life. But then Psalm 139 kind of turns on a dime. And we're going to study today a passage that could be very challenging for us if we don't think it through in context. So I want you to open up your Bible, Psalm 139, verses 19 to 24. We're going to take verses 19 to the end of the psalm here. Psalm 139 is pretty easy to find, right in the, almost the center of your Bible. Psalms are easy to find. There's 150 psalms. Psalm 139 is between 138 and 140, unless you have a Bible that's not in order. And then I don't know how you got that, but praise God for that. I want you to read along because, listen, we live in a world, I always say that everyone is entitled to their opinions, but the only person's opinion who really matters is God's, and the only way you get God's opinion is in God's word, and so I'm only good if I just tell you what God's word says and says this is what it means. And so I want you to read this for yourself. I don't want you to think I'm just making this stuff up. This is right here in Psalm 139. So picking up in verse 19, it says this. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men. For they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. And I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, verse 23, and know me. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, verse 19 kind of comes out of nowhere. It's like a sucker punch. You're not ready for it. Because all the way through, it's like it's this beautiful, just amazing experience of God, you know me, you're everywhere, God, you know everything, and God, you, you created me, and even when nobody knew where I was, you knew everything about me, and Lord, your thoughts are precious to me, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, and Lord, will you kill all the wicked people, please? <laughs> and it kind of like comes out of nowhere, and, and I remember, I wasn't even a Christian at the time, I was watching this program, they were talking about world religions, and they were like, yeah, you know, everybody should read Psalm 139. All you need in the Bible is Psalm 139 until verse 19. 
And I remember so I'm like, whoa. And so like, you know, I'm the kind of guy when someone says something, I go read Psalm 139, verse 19. Like, so what don't they want us to read? And I remember reading this beautiful Psalm and you hit verse 19 and it feels like it comes out of nowhere. And it's almost like offensive. Like for some of you right now, we're like, whoa. Now, let me unpack it for you because it's very important and it makes total sense in David's context and what he's getting at. And I think it's important for us to be able to understand this. So if I, if I want to give you the concept that it really we learn from verses 19 to 22, it's really that you and I need to hate what God hates. That's the, the idea, is that part of what God is doing in all of our lives is he wants to conform us or transform us from our own ways to God's ways. And really what David is doing is he is expressing his displeasure with the very things that displease God. And so part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus is we love the things that God loves and we also hate the things that God hates. And David is expressing this. Now, if you put this in context, the whole psalm, David has been overwhelmed with God's, with gratitude to God for God's purpose in his own life. Like the whole thing that we've read up until verse 19 is David, his response of worship to who God is. But then David realizes that for the folks who do not believe in God and who live contrary to God's plan, he can't see the purpose in what they're doing. And so for David, he is actually asking God in light of God's omniscience and omnipresence and omnipotence, he's asking God to right the wrongs of his society. Now, we have to realize that for David, unlike us today, David lived in a very aggressive world. Now, you might say, Fusco, our world is aggressive. I mean, people are getting canceled. Listen, it's one thing to be canceled online. It's another thing to wake up and hope no one's coming over the mountain with slingshots and bow and arrow to kill you all. I remember when I visited Israel for the very first time. And I remember when we were in uh, this area of Jerusalem called Tel Piot. And there was, we looked over this, this kind of like this rolling hill area. And there's like a wall. And I was talking to the guy we were standing like, hey, what's the wall? And he's like, well, actually, if people are coming over that wall, you should run. And he was talking about the, you know, the environment. He's like, we are living in a constant state of struggle. And that wall is, is a dividing wall. And he's like, so if you see people coming over that wall, you should run. And I was just like, oh. And that's a different, you know, it's like, if, you know, if you see someone coming, like just the other day, my neighbor came into my backyard because his dog got out and he was, came in. I wasn't worried. I wasn't running. I'm like, hey, you know, finding your little puppy, you know? And, and, and so it's a different world. And so for David, he lived in a world where if you read first and second Kings and first and second Chronicles, the children of Israel, David was a warrior and people were coming after the children of Israel and their actions were done in the name of the deities that they worshiped. And so David is really saying here, he's saying, God, will you do away with those who are wicked, those who are bloodthirsty? He's like, so there are people who are murderous. And and if you read about David, I mean, we know David is the great king, phenomenal musician, but you, you don't realize that David was like the first Rambo. Or if you're younger, John Wick, he was like the first like assassin. 
You know what I mean? Because literally, there's like they sang songs. That was a good reference, wasn't it? Both, both of those are pretty good. You know, like there were songs written because the Philistines were attacking the children of Israel and they were, and they, and they were subjugating them. And then David would go on out with his, with his little SEAL team and he would go and he would fight them back. And David was such a great warrior. I mean, of course, we are introduced to David on his great battle with Goliath. Now, you know, in some ways, I always think about if you how many of you guys were around for Rocky three? Yeah, if you didn't, you got to watch it. It's a classic. There's that scene where Rocky goes, you know, little Rocky Balboa, the Italian stallion, my uncle from Philadelphia, you know, and, and he's going into he's doing like a, a mock wrestling match with Hulk Hogan. And it's like, and like Sylvester Stallone is like five foot two. He's an Italian guy. He's little, but he's big on the inside. You know what I mean? And then Hulk Hogan is this huge guy. And he's like throwing him around the ring. And, and I, I remember when I saw that, I'm like, oh, that's like David and Goliath. You know? And in a lot of ways, we meet David. David is a great warrior because his strength is in God, not just in his skills. But he was skilled. David was a great warrior. So really what David is doing is... Even as a great warrior, David is asking God to bring justice down. And even though it's shocking to us what he's saying, he's saying, God, there are your enemies and they are killing us. Will you intervene and make it right? Now, what I love so much about David here is David's trust is in God, not in his own strength. And the biggest mistake we make as people is we want to take things into our own hands rather than trusting in the God who will bring things to right. And the big mistake we make is we want to do it ourselves. But what David is saying here is he's saying, God, my heart is broken for these who are your enemies. And Lord, I want you to take care of this. And I'll be honest with you. It's a great way to pray. Now, you might say, well, it's a great way to pray. Because David wrote this and was inspired by the spirit a thousand or so years before Jesus died on a cross for God's enemies. And when you pray for God to take care of your enemies, oftentimes God saves them and he makes them your brother and sister. And that's the way God deals with this stuff. And I love that. Like, I think it's so awesome that God, the way God deals with his enemies is he sends his son on a rescue mission. And if you're here today, if you say, I am born again, it's because you at one point were God's enemy. There was never a time in your life that you weren't God's enemy and God sent Jesus on a rescue mission to take care of your sinfulness and your rebellion. And if you're here and your heart is open to God, it's because God proactively and unilaterally came after you. He has placed his spirit within you to change you from the inside out. And that's the good news of the gospel. I'm not a Christian because I got things right or I deserve it. I'm a Christian because God came on a rescue mission in the person and work of Jesus by the Spirit for me. Now, you may have grown up in the church. I'm here to tell you, you were still God's enemy even though your parents loved Jesus. Because when, as early as you could, your parents are like, put that down. You're like, no. Don't eat that cookie. I already ate it. That makes us God's enemies. And so really what we see here is David is, he's aware of the fact that there are, God has enemies. Now, I want to read to you the same passage in another paraphrase. And this I'm going to read, this is by Eugene Peterson. It's in a paraphrase called The Message. Now, I read a paraphrase a couple messages ago. So people got mad at me for reading a paraphrase. And so you're going to get mad at me for reading this again. I just like reading these not, like I, I read my Bible 
But then the paraphrases, they can give you kind of different senses of, of, of trying to bring out the meaning of these words. Not saying that the paraphrase is right. I'm saying that it's not wrong. How many times you ever read a sentence and your teacher's like, now say that in your own words. That's what a paraphrase is. Okay, so like, let's not be freaked out by it. You know, I had someone say, oh, you read those paraphrases, they're bringing heretical doctrine into the church. I'm like, look, if, if two sentences in a paraphrase can undo someone's faith, then we're really doing a lousy job here at Crossroads. You know what I mean? Like, so, so I just say that because there's always someone who's like going to be all messed up, but I'm going to read it anyway in Jesus' name. <laughs> Eugene Peterson paraphrased this this way. He says, and please God, do away with wickedness for good. And you murderers out of here, all the men and women who belittle you, God, infatuated with cheap God imitations. See how I hate those who hate you, God. See how I loathe all this godless arrogance. I hate it with pure, unadulterated hatred. Your enemies are my enemies. See, Eugene Peterson does a great job of drawing out that really what David is getting at is like there are people whose lives are lived as enemies of God. And David is grieved by what he's seeing. So the question for us today is, who defines for you what you're going to love and what you're going to hate? Because if we're supposed to hate what God hates, then we need to make sure God's word defines it for us. David says in here, we know who hates God because they speak against the Lord. They take the Lord's name in vain. And ultimately, they're bent on hurting people. So like the fruit of what they're about is right there. You can't miss it. Now, if you want to know what God hates, I want to read to you a passage that I think that you want to, you're going to want to write down and you're going to want to meditate on because you should hate these things that God hates. This is Proverbs chapter six, verses 16 to 18. And you know, it's what God hates because it starts these six things the Lord hates. I love the Bible. It's like, what does God hate? These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him, right? So we get, we get this list. Now, listen to this list. And what I want you to do when you hear this list is not think about everybody else, but I want you to think about yourself. These six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises Wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. <laughs> this is what God hates. And like it's it's what I love about this is it's so easy to say, God hates those who don't like it. No, no. God hates people who are proud because pride is self-centeredness as opposed to God-centeredness. God hates lying. So anytime we self-preserve and tell a half-truth, what's that old saying? A half-truth is a what? It's a whole lie, right? Someone who sows discord among the brethren. So right as you go and you tail bear about somebody, you're, and these are the things that God hates. And really what God does is it's real easy to look outside, but really what the Bible does is says, actually, I want you to look right here. I want you to look at yourself. 
Because what God wants to do is do a work of transformation. And what we should find as we journey with Jesus is that we are proud, but we're less proud than we used to be. We catch ourselves in dishonesty, but we're less dishonest than we used to be. And when we find ourselves being dishonest, we say, you know what? I'm sorry, that was not quite honest. And everyone is shocked because you just own something that they already knew, but you own it. See, when we hate the things that God hates, it becomes deeply transformational for us. And it changes the way we see people because when you notice your own pride, then when you see pride in someone else, rather than judging them for it, you're like, oh, I'm just like that. When we find ourselves being dishonest about something and someone is dishonest, we don't hold it against them. We're like, I do that as well. My pastor, John Henry, used to always say, Daniel, the hardest thing is that when my, my sin looks terrible when someone else does it. So when, when you catch yourself being really provoked by something that someone does, I'm 99% sure that it's something that you do. You just don't like it when someone else does it in your direction. Do you ever notice the people are like, you talk too much? It's like, well, you're the one who's talking all the time. So when we hate the things that God hates, then it's an opportunity for repentance. It's an opportunity for us to turn from our own wickedness. Because let's be honest, you, you, you look at the things that we do, like if you think about like, okay, so the, pers- the people who hate God, they speak against the Lord. Do you realize that every time that we doubt or fear irrationally, that is actually a form of functional atheism. When we're freaked out by circumstances and we're not trusting God, like in a sense, we're taking God's name in vain when we do that, aren't we? Now, I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to be overly challenging, but one of the things that I have found is that when I look at the things that God hates and I look at my own life, I can find species of those things in my own life. I believe in Jesus. I love the Lord. I want to walk with him. But I catch myself at different times being proud. I catch myself not being all the way honest about something. I catch myself sowing a little discord because I'm frustrated. And I think I'm just like everybody else. And so when we hate the things that God hates, now all of a sudden we take a step back and we say, okay, Lord, I want you to do a work in me. And what's amazing is that's exactly what David does here. Because he moves, he's living in the real world with real issues and he's asking God to take care of it. And then verse 23 says, search me, O God, and know my heart and try me and know my anxiety. So now really what David is saying is that in the midst of all this, Lord, I want you, I want to be searched and tried. And you should as well. You need to be searched and tried. See, David's grateful for God for who he is, what he's doing. David sees all the injustice and all of the treachery going on around him. And he's like, Lord, take care of it. And then he comes back and he says, Lord, make sure you do an inventory of my heart. An inventory of my life. Jesus is Pastor Daniel wrapped up today's message by talking about how understanding what God hates has the potential to transform your life. The more you know and connect with what grieves the Lord, the more you'll see how those things are present in your own life. And as hard as it may be to regularly face your brokenness and sin, you'll grow in gratitude, grace, forgiveness, and humility. 
It's hard to withhold those things from others when you've received so much yourself. Everyone needs a little encouragement to get through their day, and we have a way to provide that for you. Pastor Daniel has some excellent advice, truth, and love to share in his two-minute messages available on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just go to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the social media links to find them. You won't be disappointed, and your day just might get a little brighter. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel Fusco from Jesus Is Real Radio. I'm so excited about what Jesus is doing through this ministry to change lives and restore His people. Would you consider partnering with us as we continue to share the message of Jesus here on Jesus Is Real Radio? You can find out more and donate securely online at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank you for prayerfully considering this. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when you'll continue to explore how learning to hate what God hates can spur you on to ask Him to reveal those things in your own life. You can't control what other people choose to do, but you can decide how you'll respond to the Lord. Pastor Daniel will encourage you to ask God to change you from the inside out. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Radiant. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.